Podcasting from anywhere other than a jail cell, this is Soberholic, a podcast created to encourage, equip, and inspire you to overcome your hurts, habits, and hangups. And now, your show hosts, Roger and Jason. Here we go, guys. Another show, another day, and another topic. Yes. Yes. That's all we I like to, is a yes. We like topics. We do. And so um, here's here's the setup, the buildup for today's show, huh? Is um, I was laying in bed last night, and I was, I don't know, when you lay in bed, do you just start thinking about everything? Like, it's hard for me to oh, shut yes. my mind down. I can't, I don't, like, there is a long wind-down process. Like, like my wife, she can just close her eyes, and literally five, t- 30 seconds later, she's asleep. But, like, whenever I lay down, it, it, it can take, like, an hour or more for me just to, like, wind down. Mine ain't quite that bad. In fact, my wife would say I'm more like your wife, Dakota, that I just fall asleep. But I really don't. When I lay in the bed, I begin thinking of stuff. Oh, yeah. And um, I ponder stuff. I don't think I'm there near that long. But um, I feel like I think of everything from you know, from here till I was born of things that I should have done and things I need to do. And anyways, um, I, I've been thinking about this, this idea of, of self-help. You know, that's something I do a lot of reading on, of just different topics of helping me become a better person, to overcome struggles in my life. And a lot of times it's even things I'm not even dealing with, but I perceive that I could deal with them in the future. Right. Yeah. And I mean, a lot of, a lot of Christians hear the term self-help, and I think they kind of shy away from it. But I mean, a lot of it's great stuff, you know. I mean, and think about like, you know, trying to improve your diet or trying to improve your health. I mean, when you're doing those things, those you're helping yourself. Yeah, like financial you know? books. Those things. It's, it's right. not, but it's not like that. I have to do it with my own willpower. In fact, no. most of these self-help books teach me that I need to rely on someone else's help, i.e., God. Um, that I need that. Um, so, what does I, the I.E. stand for? Isn't that an example? Did yeah. I get it wrong? I don't know. Uh, uh, I actually don't know. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So there you go. Um, so I was thinking all these self-help things, but that led me to get my next conversation in my head, which was self-harm. What does it look like? Because if I can help myself by reading books and learning from experiences of other people so that I don't do it, then in what ways could I be harming myself um and how am I doing that? So, like, when I hear the terms uh, self-harm, like, I only think of, like, cutting yourself. No, like, I just mean, in general, there are several things that we sabotage ourselves with so that we can never achieve the things that we want to achieve or do the things that we're trying to do. Right. No, I'm saying I wrongly just think of that. Oh, oh, I, I guess you. Um, but there's so much more to yeah. self-harm. Yeah, so th- that, that's what I want to, to kind of talk about is self-harm. That's a weird topic to talk about because that's not something that we're trying to do. That's something we're trying to prevent. Right. And um, it is much more than just like cutting your wrist because I'm with you. I mean, that's what you think, you know, or you know, some people would even go into other things like tattoos and all those which – I guess I self-harm a lot. <laughs> um, but um, So 
when I, I think of this, it's, it's kind of the opposite of self-help. It's, you know, self-help are the things I'm doing to prevent things from happening, um, that, that are good things that I'm trying to do. Self-harm are the things that are preventing me from trying to actually achieve those things, um, maybe ways that I'm sabotaging myself. And so I want to talk about a, a few of them. And if you have any that come up as we're talking, that's fine too. And so we'll just kind of not really even bullet these out. Um, I guess they do come out as bullets when people hear us talking about them. But um, it's it's not like a checklist. It's just kind of just ideas, random thoughts as I laid in bed talking about these things to myself. Daily affirmations. There you go. <laughs> what was that Saturday Night Live? I was thing? thinking the same exact thing. What was I it? Don't know. I'm good enough. I'm smart enough. I'm doggone it. People like me. Yeah. <laughs> well, the first thing I was thinking of is that there's a lot of ways that we can cause self-harm to ourselves, and it's simply just by pretending. And what do I mean by that? Uh, well, I had to, to sum it up into something that that's easy to talk about when I just say pretending. But um, like, if you took it to a recovery aspect, it really would look more like denial, you know, yeah. of of just not accepting what's going on. You know, for years, I I knew I had a drug addiction. I knew there was an alcohol problem in my life, but I didn't really want to do nothing with it. So I just acted like it wasn't as bad as what it was, and so. That was my way of pretending that things were different. Um, I would pretend that other people did the same things I did, you know, um, and that was my way of justifying those things. And it continued to lead me down this spiral of just just disaster is what it looked like. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, especially with denial, if you're relating it to that, I mean, I pretended like I didn't have a problem for years, you know, (laughs) and it really wasn't. It wasn't until my drug addiction had kind of gone to the whole intravenous use. Mm -hmm. I really couldn't pretend at that point that I didn't have a problem because people don't do that. I mean, you know, it had gotten to the point to where I couldn't excuse it away by saying, I'm just having a few beers, you know. But I did. I I still was was acting that it wasn't that big a deal because I was still paying my power bill. All my bills were paid, so obviously it wasn't that big a deal. Did you ever use your your injury as a... Who wouldn't? Yeah, of course. I mean, I deserved to take these pills and do these pills. I mean, I'm a combat veteran. Yeah. I deserve the medicine I get. You know, so, uh, yeah, that's the insanity that went through my head. Yeah. In fact, it was almost a given that I could go in at that period of time. Things have changed a lot in 16 or so years. But I could walk into the doctor's office just to do a regular emergency room visit and tell them, first of all, you know, uh, yeah, I lost this and I was in the service last year or year four, whenever it was. And, you know, man, it's just so bad. And I had this little script that I could just say so they would give me a script you know what i mean um it was it worked every time and once i ran out of those pills i'd go to the next doctor because back then it was different than it is yeah. today <laughs> but you know it was it was easy yeah. and i would just pretend that you know i deserve these things because oh, yeah. of what i've done yeah I, another way looking back on um looking back at the past the way that way that i would pretend is or, or be in denial especially like i would i would get I would get sober, maybe coming out of a rehab or something, wouldn't change any part of my life at all, and then wonder why things wouldn't get better or staying sober was still so hard. 
You know, I I was definitely pretending that I didn't have to make a radical change. You know, the whole saying, the only thing you have to change is one thing. And that's everything. Your, everything. <laughs> yeah. And so I'd, I'd be running around with the same old friends, you know, uh, doing all that. And, and nothing, no change had taken place inside or, or at all. And I would wonder why I couldn't stay sober, why I would, I would only be sober for a month or two months or whatever. And so I definitely see how I was pretending that there wasn't really a problem even after coming out of rehab. All right. What about this? Have you ever had any problems um, with just, I don't know, not asking for what you need? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, it's. I mean, this could take on a lot of different ideas. Yeah. but Yeah. I mean, as far as recovery, uh, I, I know, especially with, like, setting boundaries with people, um, you know, I think that was a big one for me. And... And I guess it kind of still can be. That one that one is definitely hard to to set boundaries with people. Um you know, there was there was several um you know, I guess I guess with my family trying to help them understand early on how important like meetings were to me because I don't think they realize just how much time. I mean, and granted I was going every day, you know. I don't go to meetings every single day now, so that whole time is uh thing is not near as big of an issue as it used to be, but it was hard to to help them understand that like I have to replace like a whole broken lifestyle that I had before when I was in active drug addiction with like I have to replace all that with you know recovery now, mm-hmm. and not just like a little bit. Like I, <laughs> like early on, I really needed to go every there was day. A lot to replace. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, helping them understanding that that's what I needed, you know, um, was definitely you know a little bit difficult. Well, I I know probably this could be kind of screwed up, even the way I framed it, but. When I first entered recovery, I didn't really know what I needed, you know. Um, so uh, it, it was kind of hard to ask for anything. That I, I didn't know what I needed. But um, when I thought of this, when I was laying in the bed the other night, I, I was like, okay, well, I knew after I quit pretending that I had everything under control and my life was manageable, I, I realized that it wasn't. And I, I realized that I probably needed to go to rehab. But I was scared to death to go in and do it. You know, I I knew that's what I I knew. I didn't really know what rehab even was going to give me, but I knew that I needed to go do it because what I was doing wasn't working. And there was so many times I picked up that phone and put it down and picked it up and put it back down because I was just scared to call. Mm-hmm. And then later on, after I got out of rehab, they had then told me a hundred thousand times I need to start going to meetings. And I, I knew that I needed to go to meetings, but I didn't really want to go to meetings because then I had to meet a whole new people group, and I was a newcomer again, yep. and I was scared to death to oh, do that. Yeah. And so I toyed with not going. And the only reason, literally to this day, I believe with all my heart, it was a Monday night big book study at the, at the AA group we were going to at that time. Um, but it was Monday night and when I got out, and I – my sponsor who I had met while I was in there was also my attorney. And had he not told me to be there, I would have blew it off and not went. But I I thought maybe if I didn't go, then it wouldn't turn out good for me in court. And so there (laughs) I was, I had to do what my attorney slash sponsor said. 
And then attorney sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> it just happened to work out that yeah. way. Yeah. And so uh, you know, I, I was always afraid to ask for help, though. Even asking him to be my sponsor at that point, he was not my sponsor. Now that I'm here saying this, he was just my attorney. Wow. Who knew something about recovery? And later on, I asked him to be my attorney. Did you but it go, took a long time. Did you go to the meeting and be like, "Wait, that's my attorney"? Well, no. I saw him at the at the rehab I was in. Oh, That's when okay. I asked him to represent me. Okay. But he was also a family friend. <laughs> <laughs> so it was, a, it was a mess. So yeah. I'm not doing a good job explaining it. But it was it was really a mess. He had been in recovery for several years. I'd seen him at a meeting. He told me to start coming to meetings. He was going to represent me regardless. Money, you know, I was paying him retainer and all that. So that was handling all that stuff. But later, I respected him and his recovery, and it was an easy fit for me to ask him to be my sponsor. But it took a long time because I was just afraid to ask for help. Oh, yeah. It is hard. What about judging yourself? You know, I think that you and I both fall into this category, but just judging yourself too harshly. um, I've never, whether it be in addiction or in sobriety, needed someone else to criticize me. Like, I, I welcome constructive criticism. It helps me become better. But, like, I've never needed someone to tell me that I did poorly so that I would do better. No. Uh, I've just – I've always been my worst critic. Yeah. And uh, my my wife always – ooh, I mentioned my wife in the last five episodes. <laughs> Score! <laughs> That's the only reason she listens to him. Anyway, my wife tells me all the time, like, whenever I'm, like, wrestling with a decision, like, what should I do? Like, I'll call, like, five five or six people and be like, hey, uh, you know, I'm thinking about doing this or doing that or whatever. And she'll be like, how many people are you going to ask about that? But the reason why I do that is because I always beat myself up about Am I being, am I right or wrong about something? Mm -hmm. And so, like, I can really get paralyzed even making decisions sometimes because I've got to be right, you know? And then when I think I might have made the wrong decision on something, uh, it's, it's hard for me to let go and I'll beat myself up about it endlessly and we'll get stuck in a loop with it. And, you know, it's, that's not healthy for my recovery or for anything. And so I always have that tendency to just, you know, I've got to be right. I can't be wrong about something. And that leads to just judging myself too harshly. And then that leads to anger or depression. It's just not a good thing. Yeah, as as crazy as that sounds, I I completely relate because, like, even it can be down as simple as something is something I said to somebody. I will play that over my head a hundred times. Why did you say that, Roger? Why did you do that? Um, Something I buy, a purchase that I make, I say that I'm pretty (laughs) good with my money. In fact, probably Uh most people say I'm insane with how I budget money. But like, I'll spend some money on something. Go, why did you just waste that money? Like. You didn't do anything with it that you said you were going to do with it. And, you know, I will beat myself up for that forever. Then I'll try to re- save up money in a different area to cover up for my failure of the bad purchase that I made on something else. And so I become my own executioner here oh, to yeah. where I'm constantly like, you probably heard that term of being your own judge, juror, and executioner. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've, d- I've done all those things to myself. So I, for you to come in and tell me that I made a bad decision or my wife to tell me, why did you buy that? That was stupid. I realize it was stupid. You know, I, I don't really need anybody else. <laughs> and I'm beating myself up all day long over that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
So what about uh, being inauthentic? You know, like not being you. Like uh, just you mean being like a yes man? Yeah, yeah. Like like you know whenever. Yeah, I I think I've grown in that in the last maybe two or three years or whatever. But I def like my personality definitely lends itself to being like I want to be really agreeable with people. Mm-hmm. I don't like causing waves. I don't, you know, so because of that, like, that is a struggle of mine where, you know, I'll go along with something, you know. But I think I do, I have think, I do think I've grown a little bit in that area and um, am, am a little bit forceful now, more and more confrontational now. If I think something is out of line, you know, I'll speak up more. Um, and so just wanting to be agreeable with people, you know, I can, I can kind of, it can kind of make me in, inauthentic to who and what I really think, you know, does that make sense? It does. Um, you know, a lot of these things, I was just literally laying in bed. I started thinking about all of this and just ways to, that we harm ourselves. And, you know, when I, when I think of this being inauthentic to me personally, it's kind of like being that chameleon to where, I'll give you an example is, you know, we've made no bones about being Christians here. And so as a Christ follower, um, I feel like my language matters. And so to walk around cussing all the time is not a a good way of glorifying Christ. Um, Does that mean I have to be perfect and never cuss again? No, but um, I, I, I say that I have done that better. And oftentimes I've done that well. But there's times that I can put myself around other people, and I can I, I'm picturing these groups of people in my head right now who tend to cuss um, much more than I do, and when I'm around these groups of people that I'm thinking of, I cuss much more than I normally do, <laughs> yeah. and um and I and it doesn't anything it doesn't make me a better person to use the language that I use around them, like if I'm inside my church building. Odds are I'm not going to cuss. But if I walk outside those doors, especially if I'm down at my hunting camp or other places, mm. odds are I am going to cuss. Yeah. And so I'm being two different people. Um, and it's not that I'm ashamed of being a Christian at the hunting club or anywhere else. It's just simply that I'm around different people and I allow myself to be different around other people. And yeah. so I'm just not really authentic to who I am. Yeah, and I mean, I was like that you know, two different people in my act of addiction. I'd be one person around, you know, this person, and then I'd be a different person. I mean, I had, you know, two totally different lifestyles going on, especially early on in my addiction, before I just didn't care, you know, when I was still trying to hide it. There was definitely like a like just two two different Jasons that was going on there. And um you know, it, it was it, it leads to inner turmoil and you know, that can be very that definitely can fuel in on your guilt and shame and fuel your addiction even more. And uh it, it's horrible to, to feel like you're living, you know, um two different lifestyles and being two different people. Yeah, Doctor Jekyll, Mr. Hyde yeah. uh, thing. I completely agree. There's definitely going to be some harm in your life if you're trying to live um and try to be someone that you're truly not. 
Um, the other thing that, that I believe causes harm, and it probably goes without saying and without a lot of explanation, but I, I know that we will expand here because um, this is something I completely uh, relate with 100%, is just thinking negatively. I don't know if you're near as bad as I am about this, but I, I literally have been called cynical, um, and I am. I, I don't even act like I'm not. I'm going to look <laughs> for the worst in everything. And it's just what I do. In fact, I would I would even tell my kids, and I have encourage them to look for that because I look for the worst in everything because I want to be prepared for it. Now, I take it to a much more extreme level than what I just tried to relate to my kids because I th- I do it very unhealthy. Very, I'm very unhealthy when I do it, which is. 90% of the time. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think really poorly about myself most of the time. Um, I think poorly of how I, how I parent, how I'm a husband, um, all of those things. I just I, – I never look for the good that I do. And I know that I do. My wife will tell you that I do good. My kids will tell you I'm a good father. But all I see is the bad things that I do about how negative um, – I've done something bad to impact my, my family or, you know, even though I, I just finished up some college, um, two semesters ago and I made straight A's like the lowest A I had was a 93. And I told my wife, I could have got better, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and so it was like, she, she's like, Roger, you have A's, you made the Dean's list, and I'm like, but I could have done better if I yeah. would just study a little harder on that yeah. test. Those things, I mean, I, I never find the good in anything. I'm always looking at what went wrong. Yeah, I mean, that's my natural default setting is to is to look for the bad in people, which is a terrible trait for especially somebody who is a minister at a church. That is <laughs> not a great thing. Um, but, I mean, on, on one hand, I, I feel like I'm being realistic. You know, so I don't, uh, I kind of just, you know, expect the worst to happen. That way I'm not let down. And, um, you know, that's not, that's not necessarily healthy. There needs to be a balance there, you know, but it's definitely my natural default, you know, setting is to think bad things are going to happen and to, you know, also analyze my own life and see all the negative things that I do. It really takes a concerted effort on my part, and in the beginning of the year, when when I was doing my um, my journal, uh, my my little daily journal prompts that we were both doing at the beginning of the year, um, you know, you'd have to write out you know three positive things that you did for that day. Hard finding those, wasn't they? Man, <laughs> I mean, sometimes it was like real simple stuff, like you know, I ran three miles today. You know. I brushed my teeth. Or, I mean, but those were still positive things, mm-hmm. and I don't ever think about those things. I all My mind just automatically goes to the negative things, and, you know, that's that's an unhealthy, um, you know, pattern that I have and that I need to work on. Well, you mentioned this at the beginning of that, but we talk about things that cause self-harm and unreasonable expectations is certainly one of those things. And it's also one of those big things for me. And I believe that a lot of people in recovery struggle with, um, 
I know personally, I set my own personal bar very high because of many of the things that we've just talked about. And so if my bar is that high, your bar is that high or higher <laughs> because I expect you to do as good as me, if not better. And so I'm setting expectations on myself that most times I can't even achieve. And then if I can't achieve, how in the world could you ever achieve them? <laughs> and so I, I'm literally knowing that because the expectations I'm setting on you are going to fail, I don't look at it that way. But when you do fail, I now have a resentment against you. Yeah. <laughs> you're just walking around. And I, well, I do it too. You're just walking around just creating a resentment against somebody before they even give you a reason yeah. to. Like I'm giving them a reason for me to get a resentment at them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, and I mean, I like whenever I started getting into the Enneagram stuff, uh, when I'm not like way into it or anything, but when I read the description of a one – that was exactly it, you know, um, being, you know, the whole perfectionism thing and expecting other people to be that same thing. And then when they're not, there's a big problem. Um, you know, you, you're projecting your your level onto the rest of the world. And then when it doesn't meet it, then the anger is there. And that's that's what happens with me a lot, um, especially with re- like relationships with other people. You know, oftentimes I find myself resentful because they're not living up to my standard. And but the reality is, they shouldn't. They shouldn't. Mm-hmm. You know, I I I don't need to hold people to some standard. You know, um, you know there there's got to be a healthy balance in there somewhere. Man, I need I I got a lot of work to do. <laughs> you ought to call your sponsor. I should call my sponsor and talk about some of this stuff, man. I, I was sitting here thinking of this as you were talking about that to give an example of what we're meaning, even though I believe people already get it. But, like, for me and my wife, let's use for, for situational purposes here. Now I've mentioned my wife, probably not in a better way. I'll get in trouble now that I've done this. But let's say we, she and I argue about something. Well, my personality and the way I expect things to run is that we work out this problem before we go to bed, before really before we even finish the conversation. Like if we get into an argument, let's go ahead, get it out, let's move on past it. Well, she will like, let's calm down, let's let's think about it. Heck, she'll even say, let's pray about it. How crazy is that? You know, and like no. <laughs> we got time to pray for it. We've got to work through this problem now. <laughs> and I'm like I, that's the way I want to do it. And, and because that's my expectation, when she doesn't do it, even if she wants to pray about it, I'm like, no, we're not praying about it. We're going to fix this now. Yeah. And so it just causes more problems. Yeah. And I mean, also, whenever I have unrealistic expectations of other people, especially working out problems, I always think I'm right, of course. Of course. And Unless you're talking to me, then you're wrong. Well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> You're definitely always right. But like what I have to realize, man, and this is especially relevant um, you know, this year with everything that's been going on, you know, uh in our country and world is whenever I'm talking to somebody, I have to enter in if if it's a real conversation and we're trying to work out differences, I have to enter in that conversation with the with the with the understanding that I could be wrong here in this situation, or my viewpoint of this 
could be actually wrong. And that's something that's hard for anybody. I don't care who you are. I mean, you might be the most humble person on earth. And, but thinking that you could be wrong about something is not an easy thing. It's hard for me to even think to have that thought right now as you're saying. That. Right. Like, my viewpoint is not wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm literally trying to think through that. I'm like, no. I mean, what I'm, what I'm thinking is right. But see, that's, those people are wrong. And that's where that's, that is a self-harm, mm-hmm. is always thinking that you're right. And this is something I do. When I always think I'm right, and I mean that's going to cause me trouble in my relationships. And when I finally realize that I'm wrong, when something blows up in my face, well, then that's going to cause all kind of other problems too. And I'm going to end up beating myself up and do some of these other um, self harm things. Well, this is the last one I want to talk about, um, just for the sake of time. But um, simply just complaining without changing, um, you know what's what's going on in your life. You know, complaining. Without changing, you know, um, what you've got control over. You know, really kind of what the Sabrina, 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 Sabrina prayer. <laughs> Sabrina huh? prayer. The Serenity prayer talks about, you know, um, there's some things I have control over and some things I don't. And so if I continuously can just complain over and over and over about something that I can change, well, that's crazy. Yeah. You know, um, have you ever been to like a meeting with people that just always bring a problem to the table and there's never a solution to it? Like oh, yeah. We just bring it to gripe about. Yep. Um, I, I'm, I'm notorious for that too. Like I, I can do that because one, I just want to debate a problem, you know, really just because it's fun. Yeah. I yeah. mean, just because there's a problem there, let's look at it. But, do I have control over that situation? Can I actually change it or can I not? And if I can change it, then I need to change it. If I don't, I'm just causing myself harm. If there's something going on in my life that I can't change and I have no control over, well, then I just have to accept it. Yeah. And that's difficult to do a lot of times. It is really hard to do. Um, Like for me, whenever I complain about a problem, it seems like I'm basically like amplifying it with a megaphone in my mind. Like it might not even be on my mind that much, but if I talk about it verbally and I'm complaining to say my wife about, you know, something that's going on, it seems like I start thinking about it even more, Mm. you know, now that I've actually said it. And so, and then it kind of starts being this feedback loop where I just complain about, I mean, you know, I, I definitely complain too much about things that I have no control over. And uh, I think I'm going to have to give my sponsor a call after this uh, episode is over. <laughs> <laughs> Roger's well, my sponsor if you didn't get that. So. Yeah, you know, um, I don't know, man. Uh, I sit here and, and I read all these self-help books and I think of all these things I can do to prevent bad things from happening but i think that really looking at the ways i'm already harming myself may be the more beneficial avenue to take here and and do better at those things about the things we're mentioning because as bad as you're struggling at some of these things i'm sitting here thinking as you talk about calling me like i need to call my sponsor because it's it's just as bad here um and the crazy thing is that's with years of sobriety. Yeah. 
you know, so um, that's the reason recovery is not really a destination that we reach. It's a journey that we stay on. And no matter where you find yourself at the beginning, in the middle, or I don't know that there is an end, but the day you die, um, we're always working on these things. So don't beat yourself up too bad. You yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> That's when I'm, I get it. Yeah. Don't beat yourself up too bad, and don't be afraid to ask for the help you need. Yeah. You need those things. Oh, yeah. And stop pretending. Yeah. You know, stop pretending that it's, it's okay because it's not. You, you can do better, and it can be better. So that um, wraps another one up. I, I want to thank you guys for listening to us each and every week. If you if you just now signed on and just started listening to the show, then there's just bukus of shows, previous episodes that you can listen to. Do that. And if you will, all of you, just go and share our podcast with one person. Just go give it to one person and let them know um, that you found valuable content here and that it could possibly help them. And that puts another one in the books, buddy. Yeah. Well, I'm Roger. I'm Jason. We're signing out. Thanks for listening to Soberholic with Roger and Jason. If you like the show and want to know more, check out SoberholicPodcast.com. Please remember to leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. See you next week, Soberholics. Soberholics.